on SAFM. Good evening again and welcome to SAFM, The Viewpoint, Songhezomabekwe, together with Lesejo and Tabiseng and Brafini, the oldest of the lot among us here, even though when you look at him, he looks in every sense the youngest. His genes certainly are very good. We'll move on the conversations, and here is a conversation I have been waiting for the best part of two years to have. So busy is this bloke, Juan Menier Adrian Krier, CEO of CEO and co-founder of Nuvotech. South Africa's Nuvotech, which is part of the IOCO stable, is making waves in global medical technology space with a focus on delivering software as a service solutions to the clinical research industry, among other things that it does. He's here now to tell us more about this innovative and industry game changer and about how COVID-19, for instance, during the pandemic days, placed emphasis on the need for robust, reliable healthcare systems, particularly for the continent and systems for the continent that have been created within the continent, of course, affordable. Let's talk to him now about some homegrown companies of the kind NouveauTech is and how they apply technology to enhance, for instance, among other things, healthcare development, not just in South Africa, but on the continent. Adrian Guyanard, bye for welcome on SIFM. Thank you, Sengezo. Nice to chat to you again, and sorry for um, taking such a long time to um, to finally have this opportunity, but hopefully um, it won't take that long for the second round. I was pleasantly surprised to learn that you're in the country available and you even asked if whether or not you could come to studio. I'm like, he's never in the country when we want him. If he's not in India, he's somewhere in the continent or in the United States. But that's probably a good thing because what that does is you're exporting in part our IP to these nations and you are importing similarly their IP into South Africa as we talk about how useful technology can be for a whole host of reasons, not least for research purposes, for the benefit of our healthcare system and clinical data and research and all of that. Talk to us about the work of Nuvotech and how in this entire maze of technology stroke healthcare, it fits in. No, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I must say Nuvotech, we're a, we're a software company. We're based here out of the capital. Um, and um, our, our main focus um, since the inception about eight years ago, it's really been uh, just to help uh, not only South Africa, but the African continent digitize um, their healthcare records. Um, uh, we focus primarily in the research space um, when it comes to clinical research, um, uh, testing new vaccines, testing new drugs. And um, uh, it's actually it's quite a sad thing because um, all of our competitors and all the people who make these amazing software platforms available are mainly based out of the U.S. and Europe, and their solutions are really um, world-class, but uh, they, they also come at a hefty price tag. So our goal um, all along has been to create world-class solutions that adhere to all the international guidelines um, when it comes to clinical research. So we're quite, uh, we governed quite heavily by the FDA in the U.S. and also the European Medicines Agency in, in Europe. So we try and um, offer these world-class solutions, but at an affordable price. So um, obviously with our resources based locally and also um, having um, small teams based out of Brazil and India, we could, we could achieve that. And yeah, since then, over the past eight years, um, we've been very fortunate to, to make a big impact in the world of healthcare on the continent. Let's talk about the value just on its own 
of research, clinical research, research into healthcare data and whatever that research un- unmasks or comes through to the surface following that research, how if packaged or, or arranged appropriately could create cert- or could unlock whatever the potential that remains there, albeit trapped, because it hasn't been sorted and arranged or even uncovered and sufficiently well-researched. Talk to us about the experience of what you are learning as you're moving along in research. Yeah, um, look, uh, South Africa is actually an amazing country. We, um, Because of our diverse population group, um, we're actually uh, um, a, almost a world leader when it comes to clinical research. Not only do we have world-class medical facilities, state-of-the-art um, universities that train all of our doctors and medical staff. Um, but yeah, we, we have the different and diverse population groups. So I think the impact that we are making by digitizing a lot of the, the data that these um, healthcare professionals are collecting um, and processing, um, not only um, do we get more funding into the country and into the continent from the big pharmaceutical companies and the donor-funded organizations like the, the Gates Foundation and the, the European Commission, um, but yeah, ultimately if we can help uh, conduct these research projects in a more digital way, um, we can help bring um, amazing new advances in medicine to the, to the African continent. So we do a lot of work in, in TB, HIV, malaria research. Um, we've been involved in a number of different COVID re- uh, vaccine research projects. And that's just uh, to name a few. Um, so yeah, I think even though we're in the beginning of the full life cycle of ultimately um, getting the, the much needed drugs into the hands of the, the people who need it, um, I think uh, by digitizing the whole process, we can um, shine a spotlight um, on the facilities and the, and the amazing people in Africa and hopefully um, get the, the much-needed medicine into the hands of the people who need it most. So I think that's how we're trying to make an impact um, by, by sort of um, starting the whole journey of drug development, at least in a digital way here in Africa. Conversation with Mr. Adrian Kruger, the CEO of NuvoTech. They are a technology company headquartered in Pretoria, South Africa, with presence in India as well as Brazil. So they certainly do have the I, R, and S part of BRICS. They probably need to go to China and Russia next, and then they've got some serious political as well as global footprint, including the traffic. But Adrian, let's talk about the digitization of all of this clinical data, and I think this is something where clearly there's a lot of opportunity. South Africa generally is paper intensive, and I wouldn't imagine it's any less in the healthcare sector, but it's probably more pronounced its impact in critical healthcare outcomes that in the healthcare sector the data that otherwise is available is not so much available or accessible, perhaps is the word, because of the paper-intensive nature of our economy, but also of our government systems. How do we move? How do we make that migration? Where are the obvious channels where that needs absolutely to take place? Off the cuff of my head, from what you have been saying, I'm thinking it would be incredibly useful that where and when a child is born the relevant detail of that child is captured on a system that becomes that child's fingerprint, if you like, for so long as he or she is in South Africa, which cuts across the functions of the Department of Health, social development, as well as primarily um, 
what did I say, education, health, and social development. Because, for instance, the child needs that birth certificate. The child will need, and, and the state, for that matter, will need to know who this child is born to, where this child is born to, the last known address, and all the relevant details so that we can track and trace. For whatever reason, the state needs to track and trace that child and to continue monitoring that child. Wherever he or she accesses healthcare services, that card, let me call it that digital card, is available to outlets, public outlets as well as private outlets. What would that do, generally speaking, in terms of synthesizing where synthes- synthesizing is necessary, but also learning more about this child so that the packages that he or she is otherwise due can be that much more can be known that much quicker, and the service required, if you will, available that much quicker. No, Luke, you paint it like the perfect picture. So um, that is, I think, what we're all hoping to achieve one day. It is a it's quite a complex world um, because of um, um, just from a technology perspective in the healthcare sector in South Africa, it's, um, they, uh, we're trying our best to standardize um, just from a digital perspective the, the data standard that we all follow. But there are lots of different vendors, um, different provinces, different systems. The hospitals all run on different systems. So um, I think that's why even like the NHLS out of the UK, um, Obama Healthcare, it, uh, they're all trying to sort of harmonize the whole thing, but it, it's, a, it's a quite a challenge. Um, I think one thing that is, um, obviously, um, so many people are, are talking about blockchain and have, have built so many cool things over the past five or six years on, on the blockchain. Um, I think that is maybe our way to um, specifically put the... the the data privacy back in the hands of the individual. And, and I like the idea of bringing it in from infancy. So that allows um, the, the patient and the, the child to be in charge of their own healthcare data, obviously, and when they're still um, kids and infants, it will be um, entrusted to their parents or their, their guardians. But, um, um, and I think if we can really build a healthcare record from infancy all the way through the teenage years and into adulthood, it will... Yeah, we can, it can have a significant impact around all kinds of things, right? From from preventative medicine, we can, um, with with the, the world of genomics becoming more and more advanced, we can really pinpoint um, just based on your genome, we can understand what uh, risk factors you might have that you won't even know about from when from when you're a child, and that can go all the way through, and we can sort of help you and direct you on, on um, looking uh, after yourself from a healthcare perspective and um, in a better way. So, you know, you painted sort of the ultimate picture. I think some of the Scandinavian countries are, are quite far ahead. They, they are quite fortunate. They, everything is digital. They have a harmonized healthcare system. And there we are seeing amazing things um, when it comes to having all the data readily available on the, on the centralized um, sort of um, platform to what I paint as the optimum or the utopian image and the closest to that would be the Scandinavian countries because they are certainly great examples of social democracies. Where does South Africa rank in relation to this model that I've painted? And the reason why I'm asking this is just to understand in terms of where the opportunity might rest for those in your field yet. Yeah, I think uh, South Africa, I must say, we, we do quite a, a lot of work with the South African Health Products and Regulatory Agency. Um, 
and um, the, the team there, and um, we haven't dealt a lot with the Department of Health, but um, um, I think if, if we can standardize and follow sort of standards that the WHO um, are prescribing when it comes to health standards, like the, like, um, the FIRE standard, which is a, like an international data standard, um, it will really help a lot. But at the moment, I think, you know, it was still a, a long way away, um, but it is... It's not that uh, from a lack of effort of trying. It's, it's a really complex problem to try and solve. So, sure. yeah, at the, at the moment, there are good people fighting the fight, but um, yeah, it's going to take a while to, to change the, the direction of the ship. As South Africa increases her capacity in, certainly um, spurred on by the, con- the, the, the advent of COVID-19 and the building of certain facilities, BioVac, the investment brought on by Patrick Sunshiong, and the fact that you guys are, are in clinical research and the kinds associated with assessing the efficacy or efficacies of the many medicines and, and vaccines. South Africa, unfortunately, has not, and this is a public problem. This might create an, an, an opportunity for those in the private sector like yourselves for instance, Ketlapelo, what's supposed to be the state's um, vaccine facility, state's um, um, SOE, including the research associated with vaccines and all of that, that was supposed to be the work of Ketlapelo. And had Ketlapelo been a fully established institution that is running, perhaps COVID might have had a different impact in South Africa. Okay, well, it didn't happen, fine, but we know what we can do, we know what obligations we have, and we have been able to source, if not attract, serious investments as biovac facility is and the work of Patrick Sunsiong. South Africans, that all said, in part were skeptical about the need to take vaccines, given the fact that vaccines generally take two and a half to three years from development and being fully rolled out. That was very different in the COVID era. How can we package that conversation or develop the narrative differently, especially from a clinical research perspective, to allay certain fears that people might have had going against the need to take the jab or just conspiracy theorists out there. I'm speaking a lot. This is supposed to be a fireside chat. What really I'm asking Adrian is how do we satisfy ourselves that the research that is put in, the kind of work that you do, first of all, is packaged in language that is accessible and so that when we engage, as we are trying to do now, we are certain that the state's institutions are developing the necessary capacity and that the drugs and medicines and all of these treatments that are available and distributed to South Africans indeed are predicated on national development and a better public health care outcome. I hope that makes sense because I'm thinking out loud here. I don't quite have the question um, in my head yet, but I'm, I'm just minded to ask because of what you have said you guys do and some of the backlogs I've noted in the public health care rollout system, having commentated as long as I have, especially in these COVID times. Yeah, no, no, so I, I could make some comments from, from what you said and what you asked. I, it is, um, I think, a big need that we, we've seen over the past or a lot of, it's been a need all along, but it, uh, a lot of people have highlighted over the past 12 or 18 months at the different conferences I've been fortunate enough to attend, is really um, the way the, um, the outcomes of clinical trials are communicated to the public is, is so important. You might have to communicate it in a way that it's understandable, 
um, to the normal guy and the girl on the street. So, um, and that is something that we are terrible at doing at the moment as an industry when it comes to clinical research. So there, we could definitely do more and explain to people what mRNA means, why the vaccine, the technique that was used to develop the, the COVID-19 vaccines and is quite a well-tried and tested method of developing drugs. Um, so it's a difficult thing. We should have done that and we should continue to do that in a better way. And one other comment I can make is really around just the quality of the South African Health Products Regulatory Agency. I must say, um, Professor Kendall Gray and her team, um, uh, it's really, um, we are a world-class country when it comes to clinical research. And when it comes to the regulatory guidelines and how things pass through the system and um, making sure that all the um, specific regulatory tick boxes are in place before a drug is approved um, to be uh, made available to the South African public. Um, I can assure the South African public that um, we have one of the best regulatory agencies in the world and um, the team there makes sure that everything is in place. So all the um, medicines that we do get in, in South Africa um, have gone through really a stringent process before it gets on the market. But yeah, I think we should communicate in a, in a better way that it's more understandable to everyone. And I suppose from a public health care perspective, one of the things that really are important is investments in clinical trials and and so continue in that regard to make public education that much more accessible, public awareness. How do we go about that? Investing in clinical trials, how do we become more attractive or how do we, because of the world-class clinical trial research and generally the South Africa is in that regard, do we ensure that we maximize the appeal that we already have? So it's, a, it's a, also another project that we, um, actually, um, it's a great question, it's another project that we involved with that is funded by the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation where um, we uh, have been working with them for about three years now and uh, we have now another funder came on board to, to help fund the, the same initiative, the European Commission. But it's around, I think the big problem um, is um, all the big pharma companies, the biotechs um, out there, they don't know about all the wonderful doctors and facilities we have in Africa. So obviously people come to Africa to, to help do drug development here of um, the diseases that they know are quite prevalent here, like TB, like HIV, like malaria. Um, but we actually, um, uh, with the, the facilities we have, the skills we have, we actually have a fantastic continent um, where we can play a part in diabetic trials, in oncology trials, and all kinds of trials that typically go to the first world countries uh, because, um, uh, because of the sort of the perception that that is where the diseases are more prevalent. But it's, uh, cancer is a terrible illness that is prevalent all over the world. So this project of ours with the foundation um, is showcasing all the um, clinical research sites across the continent using GPS coordinates and you can literally draw in and you can find the doctors who work there, the people who make it happen. It's a, it's a platform that's free of charge for anyone to access. Um, the URL is ttc.africa, so it's an open access platform. But it, uh, I think that is uh, the first step to really helping unlock more funding um, coming into the continent when it comes to, to clinical research. That platform, just on its own, and I'm actually thankful that you have mentioned it because that on its own is a conversation in terms of we talk about access 
That is indeed an access to healthcare platform that allows me as potentially a user to know where I can find a service. And it need not necessarily be limited to a practitioner, but any healthcare outlet. And if the technology that is used to communicate to me that this is where the healthcare outlet is or the healthcare practitioner is, similarly it can be used to communicate to me the availability of what healthcare service or assistance I might need. In other words, if this is a hospital, these are the services associated with it. If this is a clinic, this is what I can have access to and the like. How do we then ensure, for instance, what you're talking about is something that is rolled out from a public health care perspective, certainly, so as to address some of the inherent national backlogs inherited from apartheid, inherited because of just lack of resources, but also exacerbated by the lack of effective governance. And I don't have to mention the word corruption and some of the balls that we have dropped in the country in the last few years, if not few decades. How do we service the country from access to healthcare perspective using technology of the open access kind? Um, yeah, there it's, um, I quite often tell my team and the people we work with, um, don't try and solve all all the problems all at once because it, it's unsurmountable. It, it's it's too difficult. So um, our, for for us, like this platform has been such an amazing journey and experience for us. But I think if you can pinpoint maybe um, a couple of specific therapeutic areas, maybe a couple of fantastic um, public hospitals. I know we're very lucky here in Pretoria with with Steve Biko being a, a really world class facility, but Maybe just um, identify a couple of pockets and a couple of provinces and from there slowly start building out like an awareness um, to patients and they can easily access the platform. It's open access. And nowadays it's even amazing things. You can zero rate um, the data access. So mm. even if someone has no airtime on their telephone, um, you can put a URL there. If they go to that URL, you will not use any of their airtime. And in there, they can access all kinds of healthcare data where the closest clinical trial is, maybe specific to oncology or TB or something that they would like to access or anything around um, information about um, side effects of um, something. But um, I would go slowly but surely identify a couple of pockets and then from there build it out slowly but surely. There's plenty to talk about and we certainly could go on forever and hopefully we'll <laughs> have a second bite at that cherry, Adrian. I'm not waiting, absolutely, until 2025 or 2026. No, please don't. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time and have yourself a wonderful evening and greetings to Karen, Mazine, Marcus and Andrea. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angeza. Thank you so much for having me and I, I look forward to our next chat. Certainly. Adrian Kruger, CEO of NuvoTech. And I want to call them a multinational. They've got presence in Asia, India, most populous nation in the world, and in Brazil, the biggest and most populous nation in South America. And it's proudly South African headquartered in, of places, Pretoria. 2030 is the time. After this break, we continue the conversation. One more to go. If you think you cannot afford...